Hey, it's um, journal number four, Gospel of Kennison, the old GOK. Welcome back. Um, on my way to a dentist appointment. So, um, I've got a few minutes anyway. It says, it says I got about 10, 15. So it'll be a 10 or 15 minute show, I suppose. But I had somebody request uh, through email, one of the listeners of the show. I don't know if it's Geek Loves Nerd or nobody's listening or both, but... They wanted to know my, and they use the word testimony. Um, the word has a sour ring to me because testimony, um, I don't know, it just comes from my past and uh, I don't have a great memory about church for the most part. Even being a pastor myself, it just, it's just not a great word. So, uh, and, and, and I think outside of uh, church world, it doesn't really have a meaning. Um, so... What's my story? That's... Because I don't even... You know, in the context of Christianity, uh, the word testimony does mean, you know, how did you come to Christ? And usually it's supposed to be this great story. I don't have a great story. You know, a great story would be something like somebody that was addicted to drugs and alcohol or, you know, was involved in something horrible and God just magically transformed it. And, and, you know, and and I I sound like I'm downplaying those testimonies. Those are legitimate and real. And there are people like that. I know tons of people like that. People that were saved uh, by God, you know, from uh, through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, So that, you know, that is very real and very legit and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I don't have one of those. And so, you know, uh, I was, uh, I was one of these kids that was a Christian my whole life, supposedly, um, in the church my whole life. So anyway, she, she wanted to know my testimony and, and I don't, I don't have a testimony. I, you know, I, I, I have a, a story though. So all that to say, let me tell my story. I don't know that I'll get it all out in one, one go around and, and also struggle with how revealing I need to be. Um, because, you know, I, I I trust my listeners. I really do. I, I think I consider you guys to be the good people of the Internet. I really honestly do. Um, but I also know that I've made a few of, of you guys mad before. Um, but, well, not you guys because you're still listening. But, you know, people that have existing, pre-existing conditions where they're easily offended or I say something that even remotely relates to their real life situation that seems insensitive and it touches on something sensitive inside their heart. It makes it feel like I hurt them on purpose and they lash out through E and voicemail and then they never listen again. Those people could use stuff that I say against me and try to be hurtful since they know something personal then they could come back and do something to try to protect themselves from the supposed pain that I caused them um I know that's getting a little deep but that's the kind of stuff I have to worry about so I don't know I don't know do I put myself out there 100% am I reserved and there and therefore risk the uh the the impact of the story I don't know I don't know I think I'll just risk it Okay, so there you go. You know you was hoping for that anyway. Um, I was born in 1973 uh, to my father and my mother. And my father had recently gotten back from Vietnam. He worked on um, on an aircraft carrier putting bombs on planes, from what I understand. Um, I don't really remember anything 
about my mom and dad living together uh, other than you know just random pieces of things here and there nothing that I would even bother mentioning but they got divorced and I don't even know how old I was but my mother had had two more children by him actually one more and then was halfway into gestating the third when he decided to leave and when I was a child I had one view of that divorce now I have a completely different one and I think those details are best left uh, personal but I think when you're a child you have a very simplistic view of things um, and I see it with my kids in church usually the parent that leaves is uh, sometimes they're the bad guy because they left sometimes they seem like they're the good guy because the person that leaves is talking to the kids saying you know I'd come back anytime but your mom won't let me it turns out you know dad cheated so you know of course he wants to come back and so the kids don't know. But mine, well, I don't know. I, 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 um, I guess I thought he was the bad guy. And mostly because um, we, we didn't visit him much. He wasn't great at uh, visiting. Mostly because he had found someone else. And, um, you know, that was pretty cut and dry when I was a child. Nowadays, I realize there was a lot more to it than just him cheating on her it takes two to make it go right I used to think it only takes one to make it go wrong um, and I guess that's true but I think it takes two to make a relationship go wrong as well because there's one person that does it and one person that usually empowers them to do it or allows them to do it or didn't end it soon enough and so it drags out and becomes worse because both are willing participants uh, so yeah, I grew up, for a few years anyway, San's father, and uh, we lived in a uh, not-so-great part of uh, Jacksonville, Florida. I grew up in fear of my father, this, this idea, more than a, than a memory, because um, my mother told me early on that he would try to take us. And I walked to school every day, and every day I looked in every car and wondered if that was my dad trying to get me. Um, grew up in a lot of fear, just afraid as a child. Um, but long story short, uh, Mom got remarried when I was like eight to a fellow who was supposed to be a going to be a pastor, and. Um, not a very good thing not a very good thing at all you know as an adult you find out things behind the scenes that were going on you know things that you thought were God at the time when you were a child but you find as an adult it was bull it was human error it was issues um, and I and I completely understand why people would lose their faith in God based on this kind of stuff but all you do mentally and logically is you go okay that wasn't God it's kind of screwy anyway. Um, God must be greater than that. He must be greater than that. And that's kind of... as my GPS talking. You know, I guess it's so easy to say, you know, when you find out things are, are human rather than godly, 
so easy to say, well, God's not real because I believed in that. I put my faith in that. But I guess somewhere along the line, I started to put my faith in what God is rather than what God does. And so even if, you know, the Bible talks about even if he slays me, still going to serve him. I'll still believe in him. I'll still love him. And you start just believing in God, period. And, and you put your foundation in that. And I guess, I, I don't know, if, if my mom did anything right, if, if life did anything right, it taught me that come rain or shine, good or bad, that God was going to take care of things. And I truly put my entire life like in the hands of, of what I've what in that and I've seen it over and over and over because your know, mom didn't make great choices growing up and and uh, my stepdad was a LBB thank you GP um, he was an LBB but God took care of things long story short you know or, or uh, at the end of the end of the story here where I am now I'm, I wouldn't change a thing I wouldn't change the thing, the pain, the issues, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I know I mentioned earlier that I didn't have a great testimony, a great story, or a testimony, whatever, whatever. I don't know that I have a great story either, because when you tell a story about your life, you know, everybody's got a hard life. Everybody had a hard childhood. Some people, you know, very few of us could can say I had a great childhood, blah, blah, blah. But here, here's my thing. I, I work and live, or around, I work around the inner city, and I've heard stories that have put mine to shame. And here's what I've come to on that. I don't judge a story. You know, I don't judge an experience or, or drama or trauma based on how good of a story it makes. I judge it based on the impact it had on the person that happened to. And so, you know, somebody in what we would consider a squeaky clean upbringing, you know, if their dad was just distant, even though he was still there, that could totally trash their life. And so that's a big deal. That's a, That may be as big of a deal as somebody else who had a father shot to death right in front of him. So, you know, whatever. I don't I don't care about the way the story goes around, but um, anyway, where I was going was my um, stepdad was supposed to be this uh, pastor guy. He was going to be one day. Um, that never really happened. We were supposed to move into a log cabin. That never really happened. But life got better. We got some money, you know. Um, Mom had, you know, been a teacher the time that we'd been single there. Uh, but John came in and he had a, you know, job working, and uh, it was great. Not not a lot of money, um, but we were eating regularly, and we weren't taking handouts from the church anymore. So that was pretty nice. We moved from Jacksonville to a plot of land in, in Florida on uh, three and a half acres. And so my my entire world kind of changed overnight. Different school, lit, moving into the country. Now you now this place is a suburb of uh, Fernandina Beach. But back then it was the sticks big time and, you know, lived on a dirt road. Uh, half the three and a half acres wasn't cleared. So that was pretty nice getting to play back there. And um, my mom had two kids. Um, with with John, uh, my two brothers, and um, you know they were eight and nine years or nine and ten years apart from me, so I don't know. You know, I they were just they were great. I loved them, but uh, John treated them a lot better than he treated the rest of us. He was very cruel to me in particular, um, and I I I've never quite figured out why. I think possibly I intimidated him. 
Um, and I know that sounds pompous, but when you have low self-esteem or you have issues, even a child can can become something, you know, I don't know, I don't know. He always made fun of my mind, the way I thought about things. And uh, he, I, yeah, I think I made him feel stupid on accident. I just, I don't know that he wasn't smart. I, I just remember, you know, working on things and doing things with him. And something that would be obvious to me was not obvious to him. And I would mention it. And he would feel stupid. And then he would, he would mock me. Um, so, also, he was a Georgia boy, and he was a Marine, and so any daughter or son of a Marine will say that, yeah, they're big on responsibility, they're big on discipline, they're, they're short on compassion, flexibility, they're short on patience, uh, and that, that was my, that was my childhood for the next few years. I pretty much got hives on my elbows. My whole childhood, I remember just itching the crud out of them um, until they bled, just because they they, they itch so bad. I'd take a take a hairbrush to them and um, and just work them, work them over. I need to get over. So let me in. Thank you. Um, so I remember just being scared to death of him coming home because he would find something wrong. And I would never know what it was going to be because when he was in a bad mood, oh, watch out. When he's in a good mood, you can get away with anything. Um, you know, kicking a basketball would be almost a capital offense if he was in a bad mood. Just kicking a basketball around the backyard. Who cares, right? Big deal. But it was. Um, but I remember getting in trouble one time, and I attribute this to the Marine Corps type stuff, but I got in trouble one time. My sister apparently had borrowed my rain jacket to go to school and when she came home she had put it on my bed and um it didn't belong on the bed i hadn't done it there i didn't know it was there but i got just ripped open about it and i don't care if she borrowed it i don't want to hear excuses um that's your responsibility it's ridiculous but as a child you don't know to critically think it and challenge it it'll just get you in more trouble but as an adult i can say you know that's that's ridiculous um no matter how negative my story gets i i can honestly say every single part of it has a positive side and that's why i can say i wouldn't change anything because out of all the negatives and the inconsistencies of my discipline growing up and and all that it is it is created in me the desire to be a wonderful father and a very consistent disciplinarian a very fair one to the point that with my kids i've always asked myself this question what is them being bad and what is them being their age do you understand the difference there you know a four-year-old will cut their hair Okay, or a three-year-old. She actually cut her hair when she was three. Um, I could have gotten livid with her and just whooped her and put her on restrictions and all this kind of stuff. But what is discipline? Discipline is the idea of trying to make a child uh, more Christ-like. Not necessarily being good, but in my, my world, it means more like Christ. Um, I don't want to teach a child to be good because all that really does is teach them how not to get caught if they want to be bad. It teaches them to appear to be good. Um, so what I have to do is I have to say, okay, is there badness here? Well, yeah, on the outside, yeah, she cut her hair. That's bad. But 
Did she do it with willful intent to be bad? No, she didn't. She was innocent. She saw scissors. She saw hair. She cut them. So do I discipline that the same way I would if she did it willfully? No, I stinking don't. And I think that's where the father's heart comes in. My my heart comes in. That's where the fairness comes in. Um, you, you, yes, I got on to her. Yes, I talked to her about it. Yes, we made rules. The only person that can cut your hair is your aunt because she's a hairdresser. Um, if you do it again and you explain to them what's going to happen, you, you do all these things and you set up these consequences in advance um, to let them know what's going to happen. But no, I'm not going to go all out on her. Now, the next time she does it, yeah, <laughs> it's time for the beatdowns. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm actually semi an expert on discipline. I don't know that I can call myself that, but I get asked to come to conferences and, and to talk to other children's pastors about discipline in classrooms and in, and in my home. And um, it's, it's one of my fortes. And mostly because I have this horrible negative experience with with discipline. I know that discipline needs to be consistent. I know, oh, I got to (laughs) go. I know it needs to be from a loving heart. I know it needs to have a purpose in mind. I know that there needs to be minimum requirements. I know that you don't reward good behavior. You reward great behavior. And I know there needs to be a balance. You exaggerate the, the consequences. Sure, that's what we're all used to. But what's wrong with exaggerating the consequences of good behavior, too? What's wrong with being both, you know, old school and new age a little bit where you don't just reward all the time and you don't just punish all the time? What about both? What about both? So anyway, that'll wrap it up for this time. We'll pick up where we left off next week, I guess. And I hope you enjoyed this. I got to go get a cap. Peace.